talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back, Messy Christianity. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Good day, good evening, and good night. Uh, what movie is that from? Truman, Truman Show. Show. Truman Show. Show. Yes. Right down the highway, huh? Yep. Hey, good topic this morning. Uh, let's talk about how you were called into ministry. You know, I want to, actually, the next couple of podcasts, I'd like to talk about ministry things, I guess, ma- mainly because uh, for a lot of people, ministry, or when I say ministry, I'm talking about somebody in ministry full-time, as in that's their job, that's their pro- profession. People, it's kind of mysterious to people. You know, I hear all the time, man, what, what do you do all day? And I'm sure you've heard that before, and yep. and and, and I, my response always wants, always wants, I always want to say, well, just follow me a week, and uh, but just make sure your schedule's clear because some weeks are hard and some weeks are easy. But um, so let's talk about calling the ministry. How were you called? And and really, let's just open up the whole gamut of it. What everything mm-hmm. about the call, the struggle, the frustration, the mm-hmm. joy, um, you know. For me, I was 15 when I heard God's call into into full-time ministry, and I couldn't fathom what that actually meant. To me, I thought it was music, because I, I literally said to myself, I'm definitely not called to be a preacher because there's not enough sermons in, in the Bible to preach three <laughs> times a week every single year, uh, or every single week all year long. Because at that time, we always had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night yeah. service. And I thought to myself, there's just there's just not enough material. So I'll do music. There's always music. Right. What about you? What, what, what was your, and I'll get into my story a little later on, but what was your call like? Brent, you want to go? Sure, I'll go. All right. I was one of the guys also that was in church nine months before I was born. And I remember distinctly sitting on... Uh, sitting in the choir loft at the church where I was at, First Baptist downtown Mobile, and watching the pastor preach and thinking to myself one Sunday, it must stink to to be <laughs> a pastor. Done. Good, Good gate. Good gate. Again, I was in the choir loft, so I was a little bit elevated. But I was thinking to myself, it must really stink to be a preacher and only get one day off a week. So I, I kind of grew up, I saw the pastor's uh, working and and my I remember my grandparents having pastors and people in the church working coming come to their house and hanging out some and got to do that. I remember thinking, man, it would not be fun to be a pastor because I'd only get one day off per week, and that really is accurate in a lot of ways. Uh, but my calling didn't come till I was around twenty five, twenty six years old, and a really really low point in my life. And I went on a Christian retreat with a church that I was at. And God spoke to me in such a way over that course of that weekend that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was called into full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. At that point, had no idea what that looked like. And had I tried to imagine today, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. So for me, I was... I distinctly remember sitting there one day, and uh, this group of angels started feed, <laughs> feeding me grapes and uh, fanning me with big... Fo- no. Um, so I grew up a pastor's kid and I grew up basically around the ministry. Now, as a kid, I didn't see all the ins and outs, but I did see my dad's schedule, um, and know what it was about. So I think some may come into the ministry, the profession, of the ministry, um, you know, <laughs> with the, with the thoughts of it's a Sunday gig and maybe Wednesdays, but, uh, you know, but the rest of the week, you know, 
those dudes just play golf and hang out. And I, I didn't have that misperception. I, I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, I wasn't uh, headed down a ministry path until about my senior year of high school. Um, I was really with the mindset of I want to do kind of anything else but ministry because um, I'd kind of grown up around it. So I was, this is way back in the day, so this is before most computers that people know of even existed, but um, I was looking at computer programming and, you know, some type of engineering, something way out there like that. Um, midway through my senior year of high school, it is, we probably need to get into how do you know that you're called, but I, it, I just felt that urge, that strong oughtness that this is the wrong path and and you need to go down this other path. And for me, it was music as well because that was kind of my, my, my gift set. And, and that's where I'm at, what I'm doing now, but that doesn't mean I'm always done music. Was that before or after that guy stole your idea for the floppy disk? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just gave it to him. I said, no, I'm going to the ministry, man. So here, here, it's all on paper. Take it. Go with it. Yes. <laughs> well, oh, it, the floppy disk. So me and Steve. I was just thinking yeah, that. I mean, Mr. Mr. Jobs. I uh, gave Jobs him, or yeah. Womjack or yeah, Womrack yeah, yeah. or whatever. Both of them. Yeah. We had a meeting. Yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that you were looking for other things to do. Part of the reason this topic came to my mind was because uh, earlier this week I was conversing with someone and they were talking about how the advice they were given, and I actually had been given the same advice, you probably were as well, if you can do anything else in life and be happy, don't go into ministry. Now, we were having lunch, and, I, and, and he was saying that because that's what he had heard, but every hair on, on yeah. my body stood up on that because right. I said, you know what? That is a horrible, horrible perspective. I never liked that. I yeah. have, you know, it just, because it, it gives the idea that you should go into ministry as a last resort, right. and I would argue just the opposite. If God calls you, what greater privilege is there than to be called right. into into full-time ministry? Right. Realizing, of course, that it is not an easy road, and there are, and this will be another podcast, but there are some things that are, very uh, disenfranchising, very um, uh, kind of when, when you get into the system and you look at mm-hmm. it, you go, oh, man, I had no idea. Yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, the, the calling, it, it's a holy thing. It's mm-hmm. a God thing. And I have come to believe that if God calls you somewhere, nobody can call you away. Only God can. Yeah. I, I shared it before, but... Um, there was a time in my life where I was serving a church, and I felt like I needed to move, but God had not given the go-ahead. In fact, he, he, looking back on it now, I can say he specifically said at the time, I was questioning whether or not I heard from God, but he specifically said to stay. I chose to go my own way, and, and it was the most horrible year of my mm-hmm. life. I mean, I was basically unwanted by every church, no matter how, how desperate they were. Yeah. And the Lord showed me, he said, look, don't ever leave a place until I tell you to leave. Mm. And that stuck with me. Because in, in, in the same way, going to a place is about calling. If God, I, I don't think you can stick it out at a church unless you have heard the call from God to go in the first place. Because cause the call is irrevocable except by the one who calls. But that's, um, that's beyond the calling. That's beyond how I, I came into ministry. I basically was 15 and um, I, I had heard or, or sensed, you know, we don't hear God's audible voice necessarily. I, I suppose sometimes we do, but um, 
I sensed that God was calling me into ministry, and and I don't know what my aspirations were at the time. I know I had always wanted to be a firefighter, and I knew that law enforcement was a possibility, and then some other things. But um, hearing the call, it didn't scare me. I was okay with it. But at the same time, I, I had no idea what that meant. All I knew is that I heard a call. And I remember at 15, I was able to preach my first sermon. And um, that was a that was a joy. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like to go back and listen to that, honestly. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, in, the, in the last 10 years, I have had to uh, secretly repent <laughs> for all of the bad sermons, all the bad theology, all of the... Uh, all of the stuff that I thought I knew that I didn't. Yep. Uh, but anyways, I, I felt the call, and <clears throat> it wasn't an audible voice. It was an urging or a, a sensing. And um, I was really, I remember this distinctly, though. I was re- I was wrestling one night, um, just I- intense wrestling, because I, I was willing to say yes officially, but I wasn't exactly sure if I was hearing God right. And so I went to sleep, and I had two dreams that night. Hmm. And the two dreams that I had were, um, when I woke up, I said, I'm called. I won't tell you what the dreams were. I can yeah. tell you that another time. But, but I just remember waking up going, man, God spoke to me in the night. Mm-hmm. And it was really a, a comforting thing. And I go back to that every now and then and remind myself, you know, God's been working on this a long time. So it's been fun. I think it's important to throw in here right now that God confirmed to you through a dream um but we definitely someone listening to this yeah. th- that's not the we're not saying that's, that's not the, necessarily the playbook, a right. norm yeah right it could be but it, it, it I you know I didn't have a, a dream per se um the word I don't know if it's a real word but the word I've heard before is oughtness I just felt like this is what I ought to be doing and it just kind of got confirmed and confirmed and confirmed over time uh you know you just kind of know when you're in your Sweet spot, I guess. So um, I think it's different. Now, there are stories today. I mean, I think that there are some who are called into ministry who may hear that direct voice from God. Um, I don't think that's the norm, but it's it's out there. Um, you know, that that's a way. So I don't know if there's we can say that there's one formula. No, I know we can't. There's not a formula that's that's for every single person being called into ministry. One of the things I've learned over the course of these years in ministry is that God truly does give us enough to be obedient in the moment, in the day, and not for the future. I mean, what he gives us is for the now. And walking in that holiness and that faithfulness and the desire for the knowledge of more for the future, but not letting that be the all-consuming go-to really, really helps a lot. When, when I had... My my calling to ministry was really was really interesting. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I was at a low point in my life, one of the absolutely lowest spots, probably the absolutely lowest spot in in my life. In fact, during this low time in my spot in my life is when I learned to play the guitar. Huh. I went and bought a two hundred dollar guitar, one hundred fifty dollar Alvarez guitar, and this was before the internet. This was before, well, it was actually after the internet had already started, but I, I didn't really have access to it. Uh, and uh, so I, I bought the, the DVD, learning how to play yeah. the guitar. And if you've seen The Wedding Singer and, and Adam Sandler, <laughs> right. that's the kind of music that I was playing. It was the heartfelt 
gut wrenching, <laughs> I hate <laughs> life, life stinks I think type of songs. Can we that stop I'll, right now and let you go? Yeah, I'll go get a guitar. <laughs> I am ready to do And it was it was brutal and it was horrible. But that's that's the type of, of where I was. I look so forward was to that going about home. Five years ago, not not quite that long. <laughs> so, um, I was going to a church, and the associate pastor just loved me where I was. And I don't know if I'd ever experienced that type of um, companionship, friendship from a pastor before. And he just took me under his wing, loved me, invited me over to his house. You know, we did Bible study and things of that nature. And it was really an impactful year. And he came up to me one day on a Sunday morning and said, hey, this next weekend or the weekend after, we're having this retreat down in Fairhope, Alabama. I really want you to go. Matter of fact, somebody wants you to go so much they paid your way Ooh. to go. So it doesn't even cost you anything. So the $100 is is waived or whatever the dollar figure was. And I was like, yeah, awesome. So I went to work, and I had to take off work on uh, a Friday because it was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday retreat. So I remember leaving work on Thursday, and I was leaving from the office where I was working, driving to where the retreat was, and I've had to pass by my apartment. And as I was passing by my apartment, everything inside of me said, mm. go home, go back to the apartment. You don't need to do this this weekend. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Mm. Don't even go here. And I can't tell you guys, the, the, the looking back at it now, I know it, it was a demonic attack. Mm. I've never experienced, rarely have experienced that type of mm. just absolute overwhelming desire not to not to be a part of that it was incredible and the only reason i went the only reason i went is because somebody else paid my way Hmm. had i paid for it i would have gone home and chucked it up and said well it's hundred dollars gone no big deal and so go to the retreat absolutely god moving god oriented god ordained weekend and at the end of that weekend i remember thinking as i watched some of the men and women that were on stage, on the stage, small retreat setting, and and speaking to us, I just in my heart I knew something said I'm supposed to be up there. I'm supposed to be doing that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. That was a lot of progress that had happened between then and now. But that was the beginning. Was start, but you can still lean on that start now. Absolutely, you can remember it. And sometimes we need to. We need to go back to the start and remember where it all started. I mean, don't you think? You have to, sometimes you have to confirm your calling. You know, you had to go back and remember. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think mm-hmm. in the Old Testament where um, regularly stones were placed as a yeah. monument or an altar, I think that was the reason that ha- that happened. It's right. a, a place that every time you pass through or every time your gener- the generations before uh, after you pass through, they can remember that God spoke. You know, I, I think that, that there's a truth in life that um, there are key moments in our life where we hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. Key places or or key events. Blackaby calls them spiritual markers. Yeah, that's a perfect God. Yeah, and and I think it's important for us to not only be aware of those, but also to look backwards and see the progression of them and see the pattern yeah. of them. And and again, again, this is a, a forthcoming podcast. But when we're twenty, we don't quite understand that mm-hmm. because when we're twenty, and that, that's going to be the podcast. What would you tell your twenty-year-old self? Mm-hmm. But but there's these these. God is so gracious in the way he patterns our life and the way he he synchronizes things to where when we look back, it really does look like he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, going the other direction, it sometimes doesn't. Um, So so you were called into ministry. We all had somewhat of a different path in terms of 
from the calling to the present. Um, <clears throat> my path was that I felt called at, at 15. Fortunately, I was in a small church. My father was a bivocational uh, music minister. Yeah. And because of that, I got a lot of opportunity to be on stage and to, to see the inner workings of not not so much the politics, but I got to see the planning and, and things like that. Um, and I also, you know, because I was in a smaller church, I had more chances to sing or to, to speak yeah. or to lead. I started leading a Bible study group at my school called Real Teenagers. Looking back, I think of how goofy it was, but <laughs> just a but bunch. you did it. Yeah, yeah we did it. Um, you know, because I want I wanted my my school to know Christ, and then uh, went to college. And in college, I did a uh, religion degree with a youth ministry minor, mainly because I got a scholarship and I had to had to do that mm-hmm. degree for the scholarship. But while I was there, um, God started to really um, hone me and, and and start to teach me. And, and it it took years after that for Him to finish the work. Still doing it, but but I, I distinctly remember Him challenging some of my assumptions and some of my thoughts and also that's where i had a crisis of faith you know and and uh, um it's where i first learned about the dark night of the soul i'm trying to remember who who wrote about that first i've um, heard it but i don't know but you know that's that moment where you go man i'm i'm all alone out here yeah and and this uh this whole progression though i went back to the calling multiple times i went back did i hear god yes i heard god okay i must be on the right path Graduated college, and I was serving a church as a youth pastor. I had just gotten married. I was very content just to continue where we were. And, and I asked the question because I knew what was supposed to be next. I said, Am, do I have to go to seminary in order to, uh, to be in ministry? Of course, of course, pastoring was not even a, a, on the, mm-hmm. the, the sites at that moment. I had moved, moved from music to student ministry and was, was content doing that. And... Fortunately, I had a, a pastor that I served with, and he said, Dr. Fred Johnson, he said, Jeff, if you don't go to seminary, I will fire you. Well, that helps. <laughs> it helps, yeah. Mm. And, and and what he knew that I didn't was that I didn't want to go to seminary because I, I hated school. I hated the thought of mm. going back to school. I mean, I had already done a bachelor's. I did not want to go spend three mm-hmm. more years getting a master's because I thought, man, I, I know what I need to know now. Let's... I really had yeah. a short view of life yeah. in that I thought Jesus was coming back real soon, and I didn't want to didn't want to waste any time. There are people that need to be reached, yeah. and and I, I listened to him. We went to seminary in New Orleans, and after New Orleans, um, you know the rest yeah. story can go on from there. But that was kind of my journey. But you didn't have that same journey, um, and yet you still are in ministries. Mm-hmm. I would say successful and and uh, doing good good work. So. What what was your journey like? Well, first of all, I'd just say, you know, once you receive the call, and th- I don't know that everybody will agree with this. I think everybody in this room will agree with this, but uh, a call into the ministry for me is we are, it's a call to to serve. Um, and, and much like yours, Jeff, mine has changed the landing spot multiple times as far as I've been music, I've been youth, I actually did children for a while, I pastored for a while, I've done a lot of different things. Um, and I don't feel like I was out of my calling on anywhere on that journey. Um, so, ma- matter of fact, I would even go as far as saying, uh, for someone that is maybe feeling a call into the vocational ministry today, what are you willing to do? Um, because the appeal can be, "Hey, I want to be the guy," you know, <laughs> "I want to be, I want to be the, the front man." But I, I think 
underneath it all, I think Tim Hawkins says it, are you willing to stack chairs? You know, are you willing to be the guy who uh, cleans the toilets when everybody's gone? You know, because, yeah. uh, uh, matter of fact, you cleaned some pipes today or uh, fixed some pipes in the office today. So, yes, I did. Uh, you know, are we willing to do some of these dirty works? Because I don't know how I just went off into that trail but but the call to me is it's a it's not a it's not a call where where just angels are singing and saying I want you to be the music guy you know it to me it's 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 a bigger broader stroke than that you're called to 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 serve him and and that can play out however it wants and and that has in my life it's played out in all but, kinds but of the ways the calling just to clarify the calling is not necessarily a call to full-time ministry. It may not even be to bivocational ministry. It is to be a Christ-like follower. So no matter where you are in your life, you have a calling to be on mission for Christ. You have a calling into the ministry. Now, if that may not be from a paid perspective, but the ministry of Christ is ongoing and it's everywhere. So if you're a student, your calling is to impact your school for the cause of Christ demonstrate and proclaim the universal reign of God through Jesus Christ. That's the calling of every single Christ follower. So whether or not you're called into full-time vocation, that's a great question to ask, and it's an important question to ask. But really, I think the question for every person that's listening to this is who has God called and created you to be? It's really a be you know, be his child, be his creation, be the one that has intimate relationship with him. And through that, he will use you to impact the world, whether you're a full-time professional, whether you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a white-collar worker, blue-collar worker, full-time mom, you know, whatever it is, whatever your calling is, is where God's called you, and that's your ministry. Yeah. It doesn't have to be on staff at a church. Part of my background, I spent umpteen years in the parachurch ministry. Doing campus ministry, first priority for, I've lost count, 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. however long that was. And took up a lot uh, a lot of time, a lot of energy, but incredible ministry that happened through that. That's one avenue. So There's many, do, many do avenues Do you think the there. first priority um, played a role in, uh, that's a dumb question, of course it did, but how, how big of a role do you think doing the first priority played in you doing what you do now with students? It it definitely gave me a background for it. I I look at it a little bit different than that, Jeff, because one of the distinct moments in my life, as as you listen to pastors talk and you're in Bible study groups and studying the Scripture, you hear of sometimes you have two different paths that you can take, mm-hmm. and then the, and a lot of time the paths are par- parallel. Sometimes they're the shape of a Y. There was one moment in my life, I was a newlywed almost 20 years ago now, and in that moment, it was a stop sign, and I could either turn right or turn left. And that, for me, was one of those defining moments. If I turned left, I would have stayed in the secular world. If I turned right, it would go into full-time ministry. And I had a hard choice to make because I was a newlywed. Uh, It was a major, major, major financial difference. 
I'm talking. I'm talking. I literally. I'm literally. No, I was an understatement I was, of the year. I was offered. <laughs> yes, we I was it. offered two jobs in the very same day. That morning, I prayed and I said, "God, the flesh is weak, but the spirit. I want to do what you want me to do. I want mm-hmm. to go full time ministry. So open one door and close the other, and I'm gonna let you choose which one of these paths I'm supposed to take because I don't know what to do. I go to the ministry interview and they hire me on the spot. If I want the job, awesome. Praise the Lord. Yay, Jesus, you made it clear. Now just close the other door. I go to the next meeting uh, in the secular business, and they offer me a job on the spot. And I am not exaggerating. There was a $40,000 difference. Difference. In that moment. And as I said, the, the flesh is weak. And I was like, wow, you know. And I remember I literally laughed out loud as I was driving back to work. And I said to God, you made me choose. Mm. You're making me choose. I was like, I asked you to make, to make it easier, and you're making me choose. And I said, if well, you were, God. If you were only a Reformed theologian, said, God, you would have not had that decision. <laughs> I, Another said, podcast. Yeah. I said, God, if, if you really want me to do this, I want to do it. Wow. So you got to change my wife's heart. Blame <laughs> it on Wendy. And wow. my word, we went. I went home and yeah. I explained to her, and she said, "Go do the ministry." And I was shocked. Yeah, she was Absolutely just talking to me shocked. the other day about that decision. Yeah, so I, I'm just she's like, like, "What was I um, thinking?" <laughs> so you know, so for me, it wasn't. Yeah, yes, the first priority in the campus ministry, working with teenagers, allowed me uh, inroads to be able to connect with teenagers in a way that. Helps me be more effective in the work that I'm doing now. Yes, absolutely. But it was so much deeper than that, and that God truly does give us opportunities. But also, we have to make those hard choices sometime. And had I chosen chosen the left side and gone the way of the secular world, which there is nothing wrong no, with that, people, with yeah. the one exception, God didn't want me to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the fly in the ointment there. Nothing wrong with it, but I knew in my heart that God told me to do something different. And had I chosen that, would I be effective today in ministry? Who knows? You know, God is the God of second, third, and umpteenth chances. So something else hopefully would have come out of that. I'll never know. But to me, that was one of those defining moments. That's a huge one. It it really was. It It literally was a turn to the right or turn to the left type of decision. Yeah, you, you hit on something again that's so, so very important and relevant, and you mentioned it earlier, Kevin, in that there there is sometimes the idea, well, it, it seems as though there, there are two po- polar opposite thoughts when it comes to ministry, and both of them are wrong. One of them says, it's the worst job on the planet, don't ever do it, do something else, mm-hmm. you know, stay in the secular world, do ministry there, because ministry sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Oops. So the other side says... Uh, ministry it's glorification of of a opportunity to be a minister and so you're like man that's the greatest job ever it's a cush mm-hmm. job you you get paid just to talk with people all day and yeah. you know it, it it's uh it's devoid of most any reality whatsoever and and the problem with that is god doesn't need all of his believers in the <clears throat> pulpit and he also doesn't need everyone in the secular world he puts people where he wants them and there is, there is, it's a very holy calling to be called to be a realtor or to be called to be a physician. Mm-hmm. You, you absolutely do ministry through those avenues. But it's also a holy calling when God calls you into full-time ministry of some sort. But, but if he calls you into full-time ministry, there has to be a balanced perspective. And honestly, you can't have it until you get into it and start seeing it. 
takes and time. Yeah. It takes time, but also you kind of you kind of the the pendulum swings. You know, yeah. I remember having this this idealistic thought of ministry going it's going to be great mm-hmm. and then i moved all the way to the other side and goes man i do not want to do this the rest of my life and then of course you move back to the middle and you realize that church would be awesome if it weren't the fact that people are involved right yeah. i mean you've said yeah. that oh, yeah. and you, i've said many times yeah. i mean you know it, it's the people that make church hard yeah. but it's the people that make church beautiful awesome yeah and you can't have one without right. the other right and so so just to give those two pendulum swings because both of these have happened probably in every one of our situations um, I, I, I tell, I tell kids this now that are, that feel like they're being called in the ministry, um, get your feet wet, get in, get in a job, kind of, kind of see what it's like, um, to confirm your calling, but you're not really in until you've had a mama in your face yelling at you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, so I've you been on that end where, you know, just like, where did this come from? You or, or, it may not be a mama, but it's yeah. anyway, you know, you get that Monday call, it's just blasting you. So there's that end of it, and those happen. Um, but then the flip side, you get that that crying thank you, that uh, that heartfelt um, life turnaround that's happened right in front of you, and and the hug, and and I can't thank you enough. You get those too. So it's the ups and it's the downs. And I've had Monday mornings that I've walked in with the strut that you know, like man, this is the greatest thing ever. And I've had the do you spell resignation with one S or two? You know, I've had those two. So. <laughs> with a Z. Yeah, right. It, 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 they happen. Both of those still happen. You know, I mean, I'm, it's hard. I'm thinking sometimes. just, just it, it brings fun memories. But I have been called a saint, and I have been called the spawn of Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not joking. I know. <laughs> no. uh, but, but, and I apologized for that. <laughs> That's a joke. That's Actually, a joke. the person that called me spawn of Satan is a good friend of mine and, yeah. and and i love them dearly and awesome. and we, we never actually talked about it afterwards but <laughs> i know that there was just a tense moment that that was a release and <laughs> it's all done that's now. a good one. Oh man so uh final encouragement um mine would be if you if you feel like just like you said if you feel like you may be called explore it i will make this caveat our system or structure of church today makes it much more difficult for those who are called to discover their call. It used to be that we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday night and Wednesday night were kind of a training ground yeah. for testing the call, whether it's music or, or preaching teaching, or, yeah. or teaching or whatever. Yeah. Now, because we're mostly a Sunday morning uh, uh church you know it universally i mean this this is a standard across the board now it makes it more difficult because it's a risk to give a brand new preacher a sunday morning to preach because it could be a home runner it could be an explosive explosive bomb right um i will say for our students though i'm glad that we have multiple opportunities and honestly i'm glad we take the risk to let them try to to find their calling that's been neat to see. That's but been I th- really neat I, and to, see. to answer, just to add on to that, that is the model of discipleship. Yeah. I don't see how we can biblically do what we're called to do and not give them that opportunity. I think we're failing in discipleship if we don't. Yeah, I agree with you. And honestly, for those of you, if you're pastors and you're, and you're struggling with whether or not you can give your Sunday for, for something like that, the, the value of, of allowing uh, somebody who may be called to test it out is probably greater than the value of of a bad service on a Sunday. I mean, the worst that could happen is you have a service that just isn't very great, and 
you move on. Because guess what? Sunday always comes again. If somebody's feeling called, I'll make this really quick. If somebody's feeling called into ministry out there, there are opportunities. Uh, there are opportunities always. So yeah. there's 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 rescue missions. There's there's places that jail. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, exactly jail, school. You know, speak at one of your clubs or whatever. So, um, really quickly. So somebody that feels like they may be called, you're willing to do anything. Yeah. Uh, serve behind the scenes. If you're not willing to serve behind the scenes, you're not willing to serve on the stage or you're, or you're not, no, you're willing. You're not doing it with the right. You don't deserve to be. You don't deserve to be if on you, the stage. If you're not willing to yeah. clean toilets, you don't that's deserve right. to be on the stage. So, and that's, a mic. and that sounds, but that's, it's I true. believe that to be true. Um, yes. Now I'll add into that, that if you're called to be the next Paul, you need to remember that Paul sat under Barnabas first. Yeah. So you need to have somebody that you're sitting under to get that mm-hmm. godly insight and direction and correction from so they can encourage you and equip you and help yeah. you discern what your calling is. Don't do it alone. And the last thing, and this is a, another podcast for another day, I'm assuming, but you've got to have some type of skill set and gifting already, a little bit at least. And it can be advanced and be tweaked and be made better. Definitely I've grown over the years. But if you have zero music ability at all, can't be a worship leader. You're not a worship leader. So. Nope. Yeah. So I mean, I just feel <laughs> like to I break it to you. Say, I just I, I can sense that somebody out there is listening, going, "Man, I'm going to be a preacher. Or I'm going to be a singer, and you know, maybe not." If ten know. people who know how to sing tell you you cannot sing because you're tone deaf, guess what? You are tone deaf, and only a miracle from God, which probably is not going to happen, is yeah. going to fix that. But there's another place. <laughs> there for is you. another place for you. Yep. Sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> Or drummer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we, we better leave while this is uh, going down. Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Thank you for uh, being with us for Messy Christianity, where we discover all kinds of good stuff. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com